Live life the Edgecorp way. Punch the clock. Keep your head down. Collect your pay. This is the day-to-day -day reality of working stiffs in a rough galaxy. But when the crew of the cargo freighter Calamity fails to catch break after break, their lives are turned upside down. Bad cargo, spiraling debt, and a woman's life on the line. All with the Golden League crime syndicate breathing down their necks. It's no surprise that these blue-collar folks get desperate enough to take any job. Can't let danger or moral compromises get in the way of their bonus checks. So goes life, far beyond the stars. Ballad wasn't as ready as they thought they'd be when it came time to leave Sinjin. How could they be after everything they'd been through together? They stared at his back as he fiddled with the controls on their ship, swallowing down a bitter, complicated swirl of emotions. Casually, they tried to lighten the mood, an odd thing to do, considering they were about to fake their own death. Ugh, Yoxian's street fashion is so... bleh. Ballad flapped her arm back and forth. I mean, you would think with all the cool death imagery in their art, their clothes would be, like, spooky in a fun way, but they're so drab, they make even me look boring. You're always beautiful, Sinjin muttered, but there was no fondness in his voice, only a bitter pang that Ballad knew was a precursor to anger. He never yelled at her, nor did he hit her or berate her or speak unkindly. But if left unquelled, his anger would smolder and fester until, at some later date, he would take it out on someone who didn't deserve it. She couldn't stand that, and she didn't want to leave him on this note, especially not considering that she was lying to him about returning. She wanted to at least give him one last happy memory with her. In loving her, in treating her well, in agreeing to help her flee, he had earned that much. She stepped up to his back and wrapped her arms around his waist, resting her cheek against his spine and closing her eyes. She admitted to herself, as she did, that she was doing this as much for herself as she was for him. She still loved him, no matter how she tried to convince herself not to. It won't be forever. The lie felt hot on their tongue and the truth felt cold in their heart. They pulled him tighter against their body, wishing things could be different, wishing he could be changed. He turned to her with his usual impassive expression, then his brow furrowed, a rare show of emotion, as he gave her a short kiss. I will hold you to that. The pain in his eyes stopped Ballad's breath short. She swallowed down the lump in her throat and felt her face crumple, tears building in her eyes, threatening to fall at any moment. Sinjin's face twitched and he crushed her against his chest, his heartbeat erratic and thunderously loud in Ballad's ear. I won't let you go. Ballad simply nodded and let herself cry, cursing herself for her inability to hate him and cursing herself for hurting him. But she felt her circuitry crawl as those words repeated in her mind. I won't let you go. She knew he meant it. She wasn't certain that she could truly escape him. She swallowed and gave him a watery smile in response, silent for the rest of their journey. She was suddenly very antsy to see her sibling. Xavius got them from Eox to Absalom Station in two days. 
As always, their navigation of the drift was unmatched. Ballad was even more grateful for the brevity of the journey than usual. It gave her less time to question her decision, less time to doubt herself. Arriving at the dock where she'd be joining the crew Edgecorp had signed her onto, Ballad scanned her surroundings with little interest, her mind still buzzing with thoughts of what she was about to leave behind. Sinjin, obviously, but also her life on Akitone, the only family she'd ever known, her community. With the step, she was letting go of all of that and more for a long time. Dwelling upon that thought, Ballad hardly noticed their orientation had begun. It was a whirlwind of words that they largely ignored, their mind wandering from Sinjin to Xavius, then to Dreg and Kivon. They couldn't stop the endless loop of fretting and sadness and excitement. It swept them up until the very last docked appropriately. They simply nodded when they heard the orientation officer finish, then shrugged when he sighed and rolled his eyes, watching him stomp away with mild amusement. Xavius turned to her and handed over an Edgecorp jumpsuit they'd been randomly supplied during their spiel, their face unreadable. Ballad stared at them, wondering what she should do next. No one had told her, or if they had, she hadn't been listening. That man said you should wait here until the ship arrives. Apparently, they're running late. They supplied, slurping on a drink they hadn't previously had in their hands. Ballad eyed them and smirked, wondering how many julep cups they kept on their person at any given moment. But then her mind drifted back to worrying, and she found herself wondering if this was a good idea after all. Sixty, are you sure you're okay with all of this? She twisted her coveralls in her hands. I know we agreed you'd just say I went AWOL and didn't tell you anything if you came looking, but I'm... I'm nervous. What if Sinjin hurts you? He can try, Xavius said coolly, still slurping their drink. I'll be fine. We've both always been fine. Haven't we, Ballad? She sighed and gave them a watery smile, nodding. Yeah, I I guess you've proven yourself pretty hard to kill. They both went silent for a long time after that, still waiting for further instructions. They saw some commotion on the other side of the docking bay as a cargo ship made its landing, but they didn't make a move, standing still and in harmony, the way only a pair of android siblings could. Ballad couldn't explain it, but they always felt so peaceful when they were with Xavius. Their demeanor was at least some part of it, certainly, but it was almost supernatural how they resonated when they were together long enough. Nine. How much of your life do you remember? Xavius said suddenly, their eyes trained on the ship in front of them. Ballad was caught completely off guard by the question, but they felt a pang in their chest when they considered it further, their circuitry buzzing uncomfortably. I'm not even sure, Sixty. They said finally, their voice almost a whisper. So much of it is just... gone. I have no way of knowing how much I've truly forgotten. Xavius nodded very slowly, then turned toward Ballad. No matter what happens, let's not forget each other. Tears pricked at Ballad's eyes immediately as those words hit her. She reached out and gripped Xavius's arm tight with one hand, staring into their eyes with her brow furrowed. She didn't even know what to say. All she could do was nod. She knew why they'd said it. There was no telling how long Ballad was going to be gone. 
when they'd first separated and gone on their own paths centuries before, they'd promised to be in constant contact. They'd decided tacitly that their one constant in the universe would be each other. Over the years, that promise had grown in scope and come to mean something much more than it appeared. They both knew it was rare for an android to live as long as either of them had. Unlike many of their kind, neither of them had ever felt particularly compelled to allow themselves to pass on. Whether it was something built into them at the time of their creation or simply a quirk they shared, so far neither of them had ever seriously considered dying. But even so, they had tried at the supposed appropriate time. What they'd found in their hundredth year of living was that they could not die. It became another shared mystery, another shared secret. They knew the danger of revealing how unique they were, and they also knew that someday it may become their shared curse. With their immortal bodies, they knew that as each century came and went, fewer and fewer people in their lives would continue to endure along with them. Perhaps it was why Ballad seemed to only ever form friendships with Drow and Goran and so on. Their presences at least felt less like easily forgotten blips in her life. Have you tried again since the last time, all those years ago? Xavius chimed in once more, staring straight ahead. Ballad closed their eyes and shook their head. It feels so at odds with everything I've been taught by Dreg and by life. She sighed, lowering her gaze to the ground. All things decay, all things end. But we, it seems, were built to endure until the end of time itself. She paused and looked over at Xavius with a tight smile. Perhaps our creators aimed to flout the laws of the universe when they made us, to prove that they had some dominion even over the cycle of creation and decay. For all of your philosophizing, I'm sure whoever created us did so without such lofty thinking. I think our intended purpose was ugly and pedestrian. We were meant to be tools and weapons wielded in service to those forces, not showpieces. Hmm. So you say... But let us not forget, tools and weapons are without their own agendas, and only function as intended when wielded. I think we, in losing our wielder, became like the forces of creation and entropy themselves. Inevitable. What does this have to do with our immortality again? Xavius said, a rare sly look on their face. Ballad giggled. <laughs> Who knows? Probably nothing, actually. My thoughts become muddled when we discuss these things. She turned fully towards Xavius, thinking it was time to change the subject, but saw in her periphery that they were being approached. The cargo ship had produced three striking individuals, a tall purple man with an orange mustache, an even taller Lazarite Shimrin, and an elderly humanoid woman with four arms. My apologies for our tardiness called the tall, purple-skinned man at the front of the pack. He doffed his hat and smiled warmly at Ballad. Ran into some trouble, quite literally, in the drift. Yes, unfortunately, I stepped away from the console at an inopportune time. An elderly, four-armed woman stepped out from behind the purple man, a kind look of concern on her face. 
poor Saren had to navigate through the wreckage all by herself. Bless her. I'm really sorry, Cap'n. <laughs> the final crew member did not step forward, instead shrinking away, although there was no hiding your size. That's all right, Saren, but you know how it is. You break it, you fix it. Luckily, I have you as a great mechanic to fix those problems. The Shimmering smiled meekly and shrugged, then awkwardly rushed back in the direction of the ship, wasting no time getting to work. Wait, Saren, I didn't mean... Started the captain, but G was already across the docking bay again, working at the hull as your companion bot blasted some upbeat music. It was clear she couldn't hear him anymore. Well, anyways... He muttered, turning to Ballad and holding out his hand. Frode Francisco, I'm the captain of this here calamity. I mean, I'm a captain of the ship of the calamity. Pleasure to meet you. Mm, likewise, Ballad said, taking his hand with a firm grip. I miss Fanny, dearie, said the older woman, shaking Ballad's hand with one of hers and patting her shoulders with the others. I pilot our little floating home. And the lovely blue individual you just saw with us is Zarin. I'm sure she'd like to introduce yourself, though. So why don't we go say hello together? Ballad turned to introduce Avius out of politeness and found that they'd already gone. She rolled her eyes at the smirk. It was so typical of them to disappear without a word. Instead of remarking upon it, she followed her two new crewmates toward the ship and finally shook hands with the third. They all stood together at the front of the hall and chatted amicably about the superficial damage the calamity had taken. Ballad learned that Saren glittered when she blushed and that Miss Fanny didn't take no for an answer when it came to feeding people. She also learned that Friday was a kind but firm captain and a natural leader. But most of all, she learned that the entire crew of her new home was special. She could already tell that these were all talented, kind, good people. That was their initial assessment, at least. They knew they needed more information, but even as they doubted their first impressions, they found themselves genuinely smiling in the presence of these people. And as they entered the ship together for the first time, an outlandish thought crossed Ballad's mind. Maybe it wouldn't be so bad working for Edgecorp, after all. Where we last left, our intrepid heroes of down-on-their-luck cargo freight hauler slash gun runners now, apparently. You had come to the planet Voxa. You had been employed by Lord Sinjin to bring a supply of weapons out here and have discovered that the actual situation on the ground is much different than you had originally been given to believe. Uh, instead of a large, hostile, occupying force of hobgoblins, you have, you have instead found an archaeological team excavating hobgoblin ruins with a protection detail. They got into a couple scuffles with the local miners who didn't appreciate them coming in and, oh, I don't know, being super bossy and not letting them have access to their mine. And they might have damaged some communications equipment, you know, which really understandably pissed off the miners. So you have two groups of people who each have a reasonable claim to be in this place, but they're not getting along very well. And, and, and 
the situation is getting more tense and is escalating to the point where the Gitteron Authority contracted with Sinjin to run larger weapons supplies out there for the use of the protection detail. So the first person that you've really spoken to about this situation is Vogue Minebrewer, who is a dwarf that is the leader of this encampment of miners in the town of New Praxis. Uh, he and a human woman named Anya have met up with you in the commissary. They have laid the situation out for you as the miners understand it. Uh you have also run into a Sheeran host named Zobin, who is the town's geologist, uh, sort of more science nerd, who is there to you know take mineral samples, etc. Uh, and they are a little more heated than everyone else because the situation for them is a little more dire. Their partner, Krisk, has decided to take matters into his own hands and has entered the ruins, and Zobin believes that Krisk is planning on blowing it up as a means of getting the Hobgoblins to leave in one sort of final Hail Mary to get this situation to just end. So you have effectively split the party at this moment, which is fine. (laughs) (laughs) which is fine i love keeping track of multiple scenes it's great (laughs) uh and at the moment we have ballad and friday inside the commissary talking to vog and anya about the situation and pledging their support and their help just to try to resolve this situation peacefully and then outside near the residential homes we have Miss Fanny and Saren trying to talk to Zobin, trying to get Zobin to slow down long enough to accept help. And at the end of the final episode, they were successful. Zobin went into their home, grabbed their gun, and have uh, decided to accept their help in extracting their partner from the mine. And that is where we are. So Miss Fanny and Saren, Zobin has just come out of their house with their shotgun. They've done that classic action movie thing and said, let's go get my man. (laughs) Speaking directly into both of your minds as Sheeran do. All right. But first we should probably go get the captain and Ballad. They'll definitely want to help us. Miss Fanny will tap their their calm. Um, Captain, Captain, what's your twenty? Uh, we're just make, making here, uh, finalizing a little agreement here. Well, I guess we're about to head out and save the day. Uh, Friday gets a real big smirk on his face when he says that. He likes the idea of saving the day. <laughs> little do-gooder. <laughs> Captain, we, we'll meet you over at the mine. We've, we're here with Zobin. Uh, and we're gonna save their mans. Their mans, plural. We got a. We have a <laughs> is there more than just one guy? They just have one mans. Oh my god, it's slang, Captain. <laughs> All right, well, <laughs> we'll be right out. Back in the commissary, you've got Vog and Anya with you. Vog is listening to this exchange of just the the memes, the slang. Friday just not understanding. Right. Well, uh, I, I assure you, there is only one man. 
Sheeran man. Oh my and god! If we're gonna do oh it, god. if we're gonna do it, let's go. <laughs> uh, that's what I just said. Let's 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 mosey. Who am I standing next to right now? It is so funny to me that Saren knows slang and you don't. <laughs> uh, I, I'm just, I, I'll have you to be so hip with the times. You know, you being so much younger than me. <laughs> That's really funny because you just found it. Okay, we're not going to talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> lest you confuse the poor dwarf even further <laughs> you don't need to know how old i am <laughs> no in fact that actually is probably something you should keep under wraps that's why friday <laughs> yeah. friday paused and said younger, younger. than me <laughs> air quotes <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you've got these two parties uh, heading for the mine. Thoban has told you that now is the optimal time to go, as right around now is usually when the hobgoblin archaeologists are, are calling it quitting time for the night. So there will be a more limited guard on the ruins itself. Uh, and at this point, Krisk has been inside for roughly a, a one day cycle oh, that's at right. this point. Because they snuck in in the middle of the night themselves, uh, and right now it's it's more it's more like sundown. Uh, the hobgoblin encampment is starting to get a bit busier, and it will be easier for the six of you to slip away. So you headed to the mouth of the mine with Vog and Zobin, and the lights on their headlamps, as well as the occasional work light, are your only illumination once you round the first bend in the tunnel. How many of you have dark vision? Question. Yep, yeah, I definitely do. Yep. 60 feet. Saren does not. Oh. Saren doesn't. But Saren does generate some internal glow. You know, gives like oh. gives off like five foot, something like five foot dim light. Sparky. This little so. light of mine. I'm gonna let it, oh, I'm gonna let it shine. <laughs> it's, it, let's see. It is. Yep. Uh, I can. I am Saren is radiant and can uh, adjust the internal lighting that she has from dim to emit dim, normal, or bright light in a five foot radius. She sure is radiant. (laughs) Beautiful. I'm also immune to the dazzled condition. Oh, it's because you're dazzling. Dazzling. Nailed it. (laughs) Uh, Friday what about you I am a normal humanoid so I do not have anything special I I forgot that because you are just because you are a purple boy does not mean that you have special (laughs) special abilities I I am not a special purple boy I'm just normal purple boy I was just reading over because you think something like an advanced uh, tech suit that gives you oxygen and stuff might come with some lights, but apparently it does not. Nope. It does uh, not. You'll have to follow our radiant friends. Obviously, that's why you have to pack two bags worth of stuff, so you always have stuff on hand. Like the flashlight, which, sure, it didn't do much against the drought, but it was nice to have <laughs> on hand. Click, 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 click. Hey, I, I, I t- he, took, he took a small <laughs> negative because you were just shining a flashlight directly into his very sensitive <laughs> eyes. <laughs> <laughs> oh god that was so crazy yeah oh boy all right miss fanny perhaps you get out a flashlight saren perhaps you decide to glow 
like the beautiful crystal being that you are. Yeah, Saren gets a glow up. Glow up. Saren, as they like as they're walking in and moving farther away from the light, does just pause and he- focus for a second as the 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 nearly present dim light that she emits just increases in intensity till she's basically just a just a, just a lantern, you know, emitting bright light. No one wants to stand within five feet of Jure. <laughs> she's because she's too bright. <laughs> lighting the passageway. Vog uh, oh and Zobin are absolutely flabbergasted because you're like Saren's already like a very beautiful being to behold. Like Shimreen are just striking, striking, like incredible to look at. Uh, and then, and then on top of that, Saren just begins to glow like an angel, no. like something wow. otherworldly. Uh, Saren, I understand why you never need a light light. You're your own night light. It really helps when I'm trying to do some of that electrical work. I did not know you could do that. Yeah, we're almost never without light, so I don't need to. Ballad's giving you appreciative eyes. Very pretty. <laughs> oh, thank you. Friday starts humming on this little night of mine. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that was my. When did pit? you all get so religious? <laughs> 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 now that the passageway is very well lit, uh, you can see that this section of the mine is very well worked. It's well traveled. There's smooth passageways branching off here and there where you can spy that there are larger caverns that have been worked open where veins of cicatite have been discovered. Those are shut behind clear plastic makeshift airlocks, and there's some protective gear hanging on hooks outside. Who wants to make me an engineering or natural sciences check? Ooh, I want to. I want to. (laughs) Oh, hey, I actually have that one. And I have a special ability that makes the DC negative five. Nice. Uh, Ooh. Okay. So I rolled... A 17 for a 23. Uh, so that was mine. And then whatever your DC is on your side, take it down five. I mean, you, you would have passed anyway. This isn't this isn't a hard one. Oh, okay. But that is an interesting thing to note. So Friday would know. And then if anyone else cares to make a roll, uh, you can also get in on this. I'll be rolling engineering. I'll throw a plus two aid, um, Heidi. Three on the die, plus 10, plus the aid would be uh, 15. <laughs> Great. You totally make it. <laughs> Both Friday and Saren would know sort of the following things about Sikatite, that it's a shining silver metal that is extremely resilient to thermal energy. And when found naturally, it is incredibly cold until exposed to extreme heat, at which point it becomes incredibly hot. And you actually need protective equipment to be able to mine it at all. And then also protective equipment if you're planning on transferring it to its other state. Friday, because you rolled really high and then the DC was also lowered. You know, remember a couple of uh, extra bits of information. Maybe Sikatite was a particularly interesting subject for you. So you actually know a little bit more about how you can switch it between those two states. Hot Sigatite must be quenched in temperatures of negative 250 degrees Fahrenheit or colder for at least 24 hours, while cold Sigatite, in its natural state, must be heated to temperatures of 5,000 degrees Fahrenheit or hotter for at least 24 hours in order to switch it over. So this would be good for, like, spaceships. 
Yeah, yeah. Um, Sigatite is a really crucial component in items that are in constant contact with severe heat or cold. So yes, like spaceship hulls, um, various uh, like engine equipment, which is probably how Saren knows a little bit about Sigatite. Uh, I imagine drift engines use a lot of Sigatite in their building. I could also see us transporting a lot of Sigatite. Yeah, exactly. Weapons and armor made with Sigatite are extremely valuable because cool. they give you certain protections uh, against extreme heat or cold or can do heat or cold damage depending on sort of the nature of what you are using it for. I hope that I can find just some Sigatite dust. It tastes like cranberries. <gasps> oh. <laughs> Light dusting on a cobbler. You can eat it? Like, Vog is just, like, blown away. I I mean, you probably couldn't, but but I, I can. I thought we went over this. <laughs> Wait, how do you... I didn't know you could, like... Okay, this is so stupid of me. <laughs> um, I didn't realize you could, like, when you tasted regular food. I thought it was just, like, to you, like, nasty. So when you eat, like, a cranberry... You can, you know what that ta- you like you know what it tastes like and you enjoy the taste. Please explain everything to me. <laughs> All right, I will. Um. <laughs> I think this is a fascinating discussion, and I I personally want to know more as well. But we're in the middle of a place that's in danger. What what circle of wagons around this theater? Yeah, 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 yeah. Sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> we'll bring Bessie around to it again in the future. <laughs> we'll do some shop talking uh, in the kitchen later. Fairly shortly after you enter the mine, you come up to another tunnel branching off to the left. Clearly newer. It's roughly hewn into the mountain. And Zobin tells you that uh, this is it. About a year ago, we started blasting this new passage to see if we could find new cicatite veins. I had gotten some exciting new mineral samples from the section of the caverns and suspected that there would be a large deposit. Slow going, of course. Cicatite's very dangerous to handle in its raw state. Uh, but eventually, it became pretty clear we had found something very different, much beyond our scope of knowledge. So we contacted the Starfinder Society about it. And you follow them down this passage and emerge suddenly. Oh. <laughs> Holy Sikatite. You emerge suddenly into air that seems disconcertingly open compared to the dark closeness of the mine tunnels that you had just traveled through. And you are standing now on a ledge overlooking a cavern that seems to stretch from miles in front of you, above you, to the sides, which you can judge just from the deep shadows all around. You can also hear the soft sounds of flowing water coming from below. And as you look down over the ledge, you see that from the top, there appears to be several stone and dirt hills ranging in size from the homes the miners had built for themselves outside the mine, all the way up to this massive mound ziggurat shaped hill in the center. And tall work lights hooked up to generators reflect off the water of an underground stream that runs through the center of the cavern. And they seem most concentrated in front of the largest mound breathtaking I, I don't think i spend enough time underground now that i think about it hmm. oh my god that's because spelunking is so scary <laughs> uh, <laughs> i don't know anything about that i said this looks like a fun <laughs> place to explore there's no no detectable detectably mineable cicatite here but uh you can see why we felt like we were out of our depth 
So if there's no Sycotite here and this is where the goblins want to excavate, why can't you guys do your thing in one side of the cavern and they do their thing in the other side of the cavern? That's such a good question. Well, it could be that the process will disturb a collection of samples. Some of the items can be extremely delicate and you want to avoid excess vibration if you can avoid it. We'd be happy if that would be an arrangement the hobgoblins would have, you know, accepted. They were trying to kick us out of our own mine. Mm, Your mine? Yeah, I mean, it's it's entirely possible that, you know, if they're here because this is an old hobgoblin thing, that those mines could be, you know, access to hobgoblin history part. Mm -hmm. There could be other things associated with it. Yeah, let me like just give you a little um scenario. What if you like went somewhere and you knew there was like tons of delicate dwarven history just strewn about and some people came in like, "Oh, hey, sorry, we're going to like totally plunder this place for natural resources and if it messes up your junk, too bad. We don't care about your junk." Do you see what I'm getting at here? Like, do you see what I'm do you see what I'm saying? He he like his down? eyes are so narrowed at you when he's like, he's kind of got one hand up with like a finger. He's like, this is not the time and place to debate this, but I would just like to say, reverse the situation. We were here first. Uh, It really doesn't matter. Do you know who was here first first? They were. Ballad, uh, I I see where you're coming from. I also see your serenary here, Vogue, because uh, I, I, I grew up a farmer. Grew up on a planet farmer. I understand a similar situation happened, but that's a story for another time. He takes out his binoculars. Takes out his binoculars. Binoculars. His binoculars. My binoculars. I say. I say. (laughs) (laughs) He takes out his binoculars and look at the lay of the land. Like, what does he see? I want you to make me a perception check for tis dark in here outside of the work lights that are still operating around the mound. I said that's a I say I say that's a fifteen, a fifteen perception. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh yes, the binoculars are definitely helping. Um you can see that several hobgoblins are in fact still here. They apparently decided not to knock off for the day. There's still some activity. Uh, They're bustling around, moving equipment, conferring with each other at different workstations. And you will also notice, and this is something all of you uh, will notice without needing a perception check, is that after the cool, dark mine tunnels, that the air in this cavern is very mild. It's, it's, It's downright temperate. It's very pleasant mm-hmm. in here uh, after sort of the cold damp that Hugh had been experiencing before. I hand it off to Vogue and go, uh, do you notice, do you know any of these uh, here goblins? Side-eyeing Ballad a little bit. He takes the binoculars from you. God damn it. That's how I'm going to say it from now on, I guess. <laughs> oh, don't just... look at me like that, Voggy. <laughs> Ballad says. <laughs> oh, I might have known. Oh, they're probably going to be trying to work late tonight. That right there, he points at uh, sort of the more the most central workstation in front of the ziggurat. That's Sib. She is 
so laser focused on that site. You can't get a word out of her that's not about when she gets onto something, they stay in here all night, pretty much. Sounds like what you need is a mediator. And Ballad is sort of like drawing one finger from Friday to Vogue to the Hobgoblins <laughs> to Sarah. Like just going between everyone kind of like confusedly like, who was I even talking about? But she just keeps doing that. Like, eh? Eh? <laughs> Mr. Vogue and I have made an agreement that... Uh, He's going to try to negotiate with the goblins, provided we uh, we try to work as mediators. And, uh, you know, if the goblins choose not to, to work with us on the other end, then maybe our shipment gets leaked out to everybody. So that's kind of where we're going. But let's try to get some peace going first. So Sib, I guess, will be the person to talk to. I suppose you can try. I think if we try to talk to her, we won't get in there. Well, let's see what happens. Worst case scenario, we... Bust our way in with smoke bombs. And you see his eyes glisten a little bit. No, no, <laughs> oh, you and your smoke bombs. There's a time and place for smoke bombs, dear, but uh, they shouldn't be your go-to all the time. Well, it's better than that than, you know, me having to fight them. Anyway, let's keep this going. But before we move forward, I, I tap all of you guys with uh, Charming Veneer. So you all get a bonus to your charisma a plus one bonus to charisma Ooh, for nice. the next 10 minutes let's head on over okay so the six of you descend these rough stairs that are cut into the side of the mountain kind of heading down towards the central area the stairs definitely seem like they they don't really fit with the the more like integrated slightly more graceful architecture that you can make out they definitely seem newer uh, like the mining team or the archaeological team cut these stairs to be able to get from this entrance down to the area. So um, I want you all to make me a little climb check. Ooh. Oh, I was about to say Miss Fanny's going to hold on to Ballad's arms. Like, <laughs> yeah, hang on to my back. Like literally, I'll climb with you on me. What is that in, in Starfinder? Is it like an athletics or? I, I think it might oh, be athletics. Um, yeah, athletics. Yeah, an athletics check. All right, okay, here perf. we go. I have a plus six. Here's my plus zero. You know what? I'm going to roll it in by 20 just for... Maybe I'll have to take Shame both it. of you. <laughs> Everybody hang off me like... Um, oh, goodness. We'll do like a... Oh, my gosh. We'll do uh, a princess bride. Everybody climb on my tiny body. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Fezzik. Oh, uh, Saren uh, will climb on Jerome. Yeah, you got it. <laughs> Oh, dang. Frada rolled a natural 20, so he just kind of did a surf slide down the hill. <laughs> yeah, I got a 25 total, so I'm I'm definitely tromping along with Miss Fanny right behind me. <laughs> I already tried to... I had to probably grab on your arm as with my four about to yeah. do a flipping <laughs> slinky bounce in their way. You're my backpack. <laughs> You can oh, do, like, two arms linked, like, straps and everything. <laughs> These are rather steep. No worries, Miss Fanny. I gotcha. Saren rolled a 15. Okay, great. Banging. Um, yeah. Are, are we going down, like, a vertical, like, cliff or just, like, down It's not a, a vertical cliff. It's just that the stairs are very, the stairs are rough, steep, Ugh. uneven, and there's no railing. Oh, so it's so just horrible. So here's if, if, here's, you, if you tripped, it would suck. That's fair. Saren takes each step 
uh, by adjusting your limbs, like extendomatic limbs <gasps> down the so down the space. Cool. I'm imagining like crystals like forming and oh god, the image in my head. She starts to slip into her crystal land, sticks out to like buoy herself. <laughs> <laughs> yep. oh. She's like, nope. <laughs> Miss Fanny's jealous. <laughs> Don't worry, I got gotcha. you. I got you, Miss Fanny. Maybe and... that was uh, 50 years younger, but dear me. And I, I want to say, you see this gleam in Friday's eye. This is what he wanted to do with his life was to be this mediator, like this person that the adventurer, like a true space adventurer. The comic halos he read growing up, he's acting like an 18 year old right now. This 36 year old man, he's just jumping around, very excited. (laughs) Venture is out there kind of mode. Venture. Okay, so it sounds like you all get down the stairs with relatively little trouble. Uh, Vogg and and Zobin do as well, although Zobin did look like they were about to slip briefly. You make it down to the cavern floor and proceed uh, towards the mound at the center. The hobgoblins that are still working, they look up and they stare at you, but they don't otherwise seem to care very much about your little group. They are wildly curious because they haven't seen the crew of the Calamity before. But there are enough guards interspersed among them that they don't feel like the like the, the scientists don't feel any particular need to stop you, and the guards are just watching closely. One guard, like a younger female hobgoblin, uh, definitely dashes up to where Sib is working. Let me go ahead and show you a picture of Sib. So regal. Oh, she has the bearing of a queen. <gasps> yes. Oh fierce. wow. She looks like someone Absolutely. I would be friends with. Mm-hmm. That outfit is sick. I kind of want that outfit. It's kind of like a military. <laughs> it's a nice green the, with a little gold trim. Um, that sword scabbard is pimp sauce. It's like a little like captain's jacket. The goblin <laughs> grin. They're like, yeah, I'm in business. I'm yeah. cool. She's got uh, gray skin, big red eyes, and these long, graceful, pointy ears uh, that are currently in a relaxed mode, uh, sort of down loose next to her head. But as soon as the young woman hobgoblin runs up to her and whispers in her ear, like they they shoot right up. All of her, her posture becomes a lot more tense and her eyes just lock onto Vogue immediately as your party approaches. Howdy, Sib. My name is uh, Friday Francisco. I am here the here to present you with an opportunity. She looks at you, and then her eyes like snap back to Vogue. She's like, "Really, Vogue? You brought in outsiders?" Vogue didn't bring out in anybody. I I offered my assistance. And what are you doing here? Well, what am I doing here? Well, am I, what I'm doing here is I see this awful situation happening between two great groups of people. You guys have a wonderful civilization going in. Wow. I am envious of what you are exploring. And uh, growing up as a farmer in a farmer family, I understand what the miners are going through. So I just think that between the two of us, we might be able to come to some peaceful resolution that doesn't have to end in me delivering a bunch of guns where you guys kill each other. Ah, you're the gun runners. 
You'll want to be ta- you'll want to be talking to Vash, who I believe is located outside the cavern. Oh, we'll be talking to Vash, but first I was hoping to because we kind of have an emergency situation here, but I think it's an opportunity that will open up negotiations. Make me a diplomacy check. So, yeah. Uh, so I rolled a natural 13 to for a 22. Wow. 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 <laughs> wow. Uh, yeah, okay. <laughs> um, she visibly softens. I understand that the situation does not look good and that there have been some, well, miscommunications. But I'm afraid I don't have the time to discuss them at the moment. We are trying to get our computers back online. Oh, what seems to be the problem? I have a lot of experience with computers. She cranes her neck sort of up, up, up to look at this (laughs) dazzling crystal creature. I have a lot of experience with computers in sort of rough or weird situations like this one. Maybe you can help. One of our generators uh, seemed to pull a little bit too much energy. I don't know. I honestly don't know how. I don't know why that would happen. But this thing, she like brings down her hand and pats her computer console with just so much more force than necessary. She is clearly (laughs) extremely frustrated. Like, it just doesn't want to do the thing anymore. It doesn't want to be on, I guess. And I was trying to input some pretty crucial data. Uh, Wimdy, Wimdy, could you, could you look at this with her? I use Zizer pronouns. Excellent. My apologies. Wimdy, help Zizer. So what's this information that you were inputting? Uh, and Saren does set to work working on the computer. I have a vaster ability that allows me to, well, it reduces the DC of, en- of checks to, com- to fix things. So would you so like cool. an engineering or a computer's check? Hmm. Which honestly, whichever you feel is best. Um, whichever, whichever one is higher. Uh, it looks like it's an engineering check to like that the vaster ability gets. So yeah, I rolled an 11 total and I have a, uh, my theme knowledge from vaster that is that reduces, reduces the it. DC by five. Yeah. For engineering checks to fix things. Congratulations. You're an excellent engineer. You got it. Yeah. Excellent. (laughs) You're incredible. Also, I mean, their computers are pretty average. Like you've even even on Saren's literal worst day because you rolled a one. (laughs) Yep. These computers are no mystery to you, really. Um, You wonder like you are able to figure out exactly what caused the problem. It is a problem like with the generator itself more than the computer uh, that it was just overloading overloading the computer's battery. Seems like capacity regulator on the generator was was sending too much power and it was causing the, the battery on the computer to overload. Should be working fine now. Oh, my data is all still here as well. These ruins are really cool. They are. They are really cool. It's it's kind of rolling. D- Dustin's diplomacy check had softened her up quite a bit to your presence. Then that combined with you fixing her computer. She's actually sort of forgotten Vogue is there now because now she's in science mode. Nice. 
Oh, absolutely. These ruins are an incredible find. I've excavated dozens of these, dozens over the course of my career. And this is the first one. I think this is the place that we've actually found uh, indications that they may, that early hobgoblins may have been using cicatite as a, as a, as a heating source without it, you know, diverting to its incredibly hot state and i have so it would it would functionally allow people to cool and heat their homes naturally in this sort of underground cavern exactly that's why the air in here is so tempered or at least that's my theory uh we've excavated some of the smaller mounds here i really want to be involved in some of your research if i can but to do that we need to get inside the um well i i don't know i even if i just even if you can like once you publish anything, I can just read it. But we need to get inside the <laughs> ziggurat because uh, there is a chance that someone might destroy it, and we want to stop them. I'm sorry. What? And, and that that's that's where we have an opportunity. There's a gentleman who who's felt so malign that he's trying to end all things. Uh, Vog here and I have uh, come to an understanding that. If we help get this this gentleman out, that they'd be willing to come to the table and amicable negotiations with you all. And I'm hoping that by coming here and appealing with some honesty and some straightforwardness that we're going to try to stop this, that maybe you guys might be willing to come to the table with the same thing. And I'm sure as a as a scientist, an upstanding scientist like yourself, you want nothing more than just be able to focus on your work and not have to worry about anything else going on. So I figure this is a great opportunity. That would be ideal, but I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm a little stuck. I'm a little stuck on, as she sort of spins around, uh, rubbing, rubbing her forehead between her eyes, uh, staring up at the ziggurats to be like, oh, the, the guards did say that they saw that there was a Sheeran slinking around here last night. And the only place that he could really be is, uh, in there. We we got we worked the door open, but we hadn't actually gone inside yet. She she turns around and makes and makes eye contact with all of you. Uh, again, especially with Zobin, who she notices is seems to be poised on the brink of running in there immediately uh, after their partner. And it's like, and she she holds out one hand and it's like. So I'm not trying to sound insensitive. But it's very likely your friend is already dead. As as I've said before, I've excavated dozens of these ruins over the course of my career. And, uh, well, to not put too fine a point on it, but they're usually booby-trapped to shit. Uh, even still, we sh- should probably try and go find him and see if the explosives weren't set. Well, and just to kind of get things, the ball moving, you want to join us on this on this rescue mission? That way, maybe you get a chance to see the insides. There's literally no other way that I would allow you inside. I can't, I need to make sure that you're not disturbing the ruins as you attempt to extract your friend. Oh, gosh. I mean, if I'm actually going to be going inside today, I need, um, there's a certain uh, toolkit that I need. Wim- Wimdy, Wimdy, write this down. Wimdy's like making a note. Yes, yes, Sibbon. Wimdy looks at Zib a little bit just with complete awe and follows her around in sort of a breathless way that seems a little surprising considering she's loaded down with a bunch of guns. Wow. But she just does whatever Sib wants. I'm like, Wimdy, I'm going to need you to get the following tools from my bag. And she's like listing out a couple of archaeological tools. Like, I suppose we can't do a full excavation today if it's also a rescue mission. 
And, uh, oh, right, one more thing. He can't come in. Aww. And she points at Vogue. No. And Vogue's uh, like, like hell, that's one of my people in there. Could you uh, kind of explain why you don't want Vogue to come in? Well, I'm sure he thinks that the bomb was an excellent idea. Actually, he's the one that uh, helped me find the terms to make this uh, amicable to both of you guys. He is the one putting forth the olive branch, I would say. Is he? Well, make me run the diplomacy check. You're ri- you're riding the 20 as far as her being willing to work with you. I'm just going to attempt an aid, even though it's unnecessary. For some reason, even though they were antag- like she was kind of antagonizing him, she now like has her arm around Vogue, and she's like... Vog does not want this to go badly. Come on. Do we, you you want everything to be peachy keen, don't you, Voggy? <laughs> She's gonna like Vog looks absolutely bewildered by your sudden like flip in terms of who you're supporting at any given moment. Look but how he cute also, I am. <laughs> like you are adorable. And it's not that he doesn't appreciate the help. And and I will say that even Vogue right now has charming veneer, so he does have a plus one. Maybe that's why I'm flirting with him. <laughs> I, mean, on, I mean, have you seen a picture of Vogue yet? Oh, he, oh yeah. He is kind of hot. Oh, yeah. If I, hadn't, if I hadn't been off my game last time, I would have been, like, flirting with him all all over the place. Like, <laughs> like he, he's a handsome man, is Vogue. So I rolled a 19 this time for a 28. And you get my plus two because I definitely rolled way above a ten. This this level two character has a thirty, and woo! Then, yeah, woo. I, I I think that Jess's uh, Jess's diplomacy should totally n- not be an aid, but should just be flirting with Vog. Just flirting oh, with okay. Vog. So I my additional separate flirt with Vog is a nineteen. <laughs> Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> roll to fall in love, please. <laughs> Give me that uh, love roll. Yeah, I mean the DC is not hard on that. You are adorable. He <laughs> finds you very disarming. He's not sure what to make of you because you were just arguing, but now you're flirting with him, and he doesn't think that that's not hot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was about to say, that sounds like a very, ga- uh, he, very um, dwarf trait to... Uh, he, it's not that he doesn't enjoy like how a good argument can really... A good difference of opinion can really spice things up, but... <laughs> I love enemies to lovers. <laughs> enemies to lovers. <laughs> it, I love just enemies, day. <laughs> enemies to lovers and back to enemies, I think is my favorite. Vogue, Vogue does his best to appear laughable about it. I just... I just want to make sure that Chris is okay. I promise I won't touch anything that isn't actively threatening my guy. All right? I don't trust you. But she looks over at Friday. For whatever reason, I maybe you're just discussed because you're an outsider here. Uh, and you seem to be willing to work with us. I, I let, I'll let all of you inside. See, th- things are working out for the better already. Let's head in. Let's not count our chickens until, you know, we've secured the bomb and it hasn't completely wrecked my sight. Totally agree. <laughs> uh, yeah. 
Now listen here, my dears. There's um, a being whose life is in danger, and I, I realize that you folks have some long-standing feuds of who was here, work, and all of that. But perhaps we could put it aside, because I'm sure if you folks had loved ones, you wouldn't be discussing it in committee. I'm sure you would feel uh, horrible that someone you care about may be potentially in danger. So I'm going to let that soak in a little bit. And hopefully that'll cut down our committee time uh, in order for us to to save a life. Now, we could worry about the ramifications of uh, damage to property and uh, terrorism and what have you. But uh, uh, how about first things first? uh, Let's head in best foot forward and uh, we'll have we'll have plenty of time to commiserate later. Uh, How's that? I think that would be delightful. Couldn't say it better myself, Fanny. Ballad gets a strangely serious look on her face, and she kind of glances over at you, Miss Fanny, and says, That's very wise. I do understand where you're coming from. I do also want to point out, let's get moving, but I do want to point out, as we chase down a reckless person, let us not also become reckless people. That's the point of the discussion. You know, kind of like prep work, Miss Fanny. You love prep work. I do. I and then do. she does finger guns. <laughs> uh, okay, so Vog and Zobin have been standing to the side. Zobin is looking agitated but accepting. Uh, Vog reapproaches the party and says, "Like, all right, I've convinced Zobin that their presence would be more hindrance than help. So they're going to stay out here. Don't want too many people disturbing the site." Says that with as much sarcasm as possible. <laughs> So Miss Fanny will use her uh, limited telepathy um, to communicate that. And now their safety will be my utmost priority. Um, set your mind at ease the best that you can. Here will be my calm channel. I'll, I'll keep you informed as, as often as I can. Just bring him out alive, please. And with that, uh, you all approach the entrance uh, with Sib leading the way. And as you can see, uh, as Sib had told you, the entrance had been cleared to get into this mound. So opening the door is a fairly simple matter. And Saren, are you still glowing? Uh, yes, Saren has, well, probably lowered it since there were lights just to to normal light. But as we go in, Saren will shift again to to bright light to light up the, at least at least the nearby area and we'll be talking to Dr. Sib about uh, Sib's area of study. <laughs> so <'cause> <laughs> she is nice. very fascinated. Science. And Sib is delighted, delighted that she will talk about this all day long. And as you enter and Saren's illumination uh, kind of light, lights things up for Friday and uh, ballad and, Miss Fanny uh, being able to see in the dark as they can. Uh, The hobgoblin obviously sees just fine. Uh, You see that this admission hall was clearly once a grand entrance to this building. The walls bear faded murals of muscular soldiers with long pointed ears standing at parade rest, uh, war machines, spiked starships, decorative pillars and various states of disrepair. Uh, Some have fallen over. 
And there are three entryways located to the north, south, and west, although the one to the north does appear to be collapsed. And alcoves hold statues of large, broad humanoids in elaborate uniforms, uh, similar to those in the murals. And then there's also about a dozen tarnished and cracked service robots just lying scattered across the hall. Holy hobgoblin. Dr. Sib, are these like ancient robots? Uh, yes, yes. I'm. Oh my goodness, that is fascinating. I've seen this in other hobgoblin ruins, of course. Uh, ancient hobgoblins were a quite advanced society that had built their own service drones. Uh, these do appear to be made of a special material, though. And she's still kind of mumbling, <laughs> like, you know, leaning down. She's got, like, her sample kit out, ready to go. So of all the, the hobgoblin sites you visited with robots sitting there at the entrance, how many, how often do they come alive? Oh, and she gives a, she gives a slow smile. That's why you're here. Oh, so they're going to come alive. As <laughs> I've said, these places tend to be booby-trapped to shit. Um, Ballad materializes her chain whip. <laughs> Saren yeah, draws Fanny. your Sopranino singing disc. Miss Fanny's gonna have pistol in one hand, medkit in the other hand, flashlight in <laughs> one hand, and <laughs> let's see. Um, what's the? They'll keep their other hand free just to, um, just to keep it spicy. But they're also gonna t- uh, p- uh, take a look around, specifically looking for maybe tracks. Um, Make me a perception check. All right. That's going to be uh, 19 plus zero. We'll make it 19. And we'll also send out telepathic pings like, hello, hello, Crisk. Come in, Crisk. With a 19 perception, the DC was 18. So you oh, just ooh. made it. What you do see is as you walk through the entranceway, there are some runes that flash quickly and then disappear. And Ooh. you can you understand that these are that these are wards of some kind uh, designed to keep outsiders out. And uh, go ahead if if can any of you do mysticism or any of you? Okay, uh, go ahead and do a mysticism check to see if you know how to deactivate these wards. That was an excellent perception, Angel. Oh, with a plus zero, I was really proud. I was like, oh, thank goodness it's high. Oh, dear. And then with that, that's a 17 plus four for a total of 21 uh, mysticism. And I'm going to give him a plus two eight on that mysticism because I can do that too. Amazing. Nice. Between Friday and Miss Fanny, puzzling over the type of word it is, how old these buildings are, presumably maybe working a little bit with Sib too, you are able to figure out the right ritual, the right spell to deactivate them. Oh, that was a close call. Yeah, the wards flash brightly one more time and then settle. Are these linked to the robots? No, that's usually a separate system. Dang, nice call, Miss Fanny. Oh, goodness, these old peepers still have some juice in them. <laughs> Juicy peepers. Does anyone <laughs> want to make me a uh, culture or physical science check on the room itself? Oh. Yeah, I can try. I'll do a culture. Oh, not as high as make the other a physical one. science. <laughs> Eleven. 
I rolled a 26 physical science. Ah, same thing. Twins. Yeah. Yeah. Science twins. I love, we're just bouncing ideas off of each other. Like, like, this means this, this means this. Nerds going off again. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Bala just like examines their fingernails. Like, yeah. And you I'm lost born. me. <laughs> She's like, you call these old ruins? Yawn. Yawn. I'm an old I'm ruin. An old... <laughs> uh, I mean, honestly, yeah, you were probably bopping around the galaxy somewhere right around the time that people would have been actively living. Oh, that's so cool. <laughs> Toward the tail end, but still. For sure. Miss Fanny, the, the the hobgoblin culture stuff, a little lost on you. You haven't really had cause, I think, to interact with sort of hobgoblin history as much, as, as familiar as you are with hobgoblins as they are today. But uh, Saren, uh, the, you can tell that uh, these statues are depicting legendary heroes from hobgoblin lore like Saren Saren uh, from sort of the the general theme as things have been going along uh, and this and the sorts of culture checks that you've just been succeeding at um Saren's kind of a mythology a mythology nerd that one's that one's Wimdy's namesake <laughs> that the, the flesh mender of old <gasps> you know about the flesh mender I do. I read as much about mythology as I could, and Fleshbender was fascinating. How you, you know, basically a violent man, but but then would heal people uh, with his his magical touch. I love that part of the story. Absolutely. On the betrayal. Oh, the betrayal. We got robots, guys. Oh right. Yeah. Sorry, Captain. Uh, Saren does dim and shrink into yourself for a second, though. So. Oh, sweet baby girl. <laughs> Sorry, Saren. We'll make sure we'll we'll have some sit down and chat time after we get all this finished. But we got to keep moving. Saren and Miss Fanny also would have noticed that the statues and the murals are from a type of stone not native to this planet. Miss Fanny, did you notice the stone? It looks maybe like it came from off world. I did see that. I wonder. I wonder what the flavor profile is. <laughs> Fascinating. All right. Um, I can only stand here so on. long. <laughs> Listen to this nerd shit. Listen to this nerd I think, shit. I think Sib, Miss Fanny, and Saren had all been standing in a circle with their heads pressed together while Vogue and oh, yeah. Friday and Ballad are just kind of like going like, let's go though. I know. And Right as Saren's cutting in and Miss Fanny's kind of pulling herself uh, back out of it, um, realizing that uh, this has been the entire point of trying to goad everybody to get into the ruins faster. She fell into the trap. You hear in your in your mind, almost as if a, a staticky connection has finally been made. The a very faint telepathic voice coming through. Help. <gasps> Stuck. Help me. 
the Fantastic Worlds oh, podcast. Wow. Nope, whoops, oh. that's not it. Far Beyond the Stars is a Fantastic Worlds production. Thank you so much for listening to the show. If you can't get enough of us, we also produce a second show, the Fantastic Worlds podcast, based on the Reign of Winter adventure path for Pathfinder 1E. We also recommend connecting with our fantastic community on Discord and Reddit or following us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can find links to access all of those on our website, fantasticworldspod.com. If you'd like to support the pod, consider joining our Patreon by going to fantasticworlds.cash, where you can get access to behind-the-scenes content for all of our shows and a whole extra Pathfinder 2E podcast produced exclusively for our Patreon subscribers. I am Abby, your galactic mistress, and you can find me at Bonanza Famine on Instagram or Twitter. I am Heidi, uh, playing Saren, the mythology nerd, same as me in real life. Uh, you can Hell find yeah. me on Twitter at Vamahillion, that's V-A-M-I-H-I-L-I-O-N. Hello, my dearies. This is Angel. Uh, you can reach me at Espinoza916. We gotta save their mans. <laughs> you got to save their bands. You got to save their mans. I'm so upset. Okay, well, this is Jess, very concerned about Joven's mans. <laughs> you can find me at Hank the Clank. This is Dustin, uh, also concerned about Joven's bands. You can find me at Dustin Alexander. If you enjoy our show, uh, do us a favor and help spread the word to family and friends you think may enjoy the show as well. And we will see you next time, far beyond the stars. Far Beyond the Stars is a Fantastic Worlds production and an officially licensed partner of Paizo Incorporated. The Starfinder Adventure Path Fly Free or Die is a trademark of Paizo, copyright 2020. All Paizo content is used with permission. He's on adventure is out there kind of mode. Oh my god. Adventure. Flesh Gordon. <laughs> Very <laughs> I love that. Absolutely. <laughs> the way you said that sounded like Flesh Gordon. I did. And I was like, I that's the Starfinder uh, version. That, if you haven't watched it, Jess, <laughs> wowzers. I had no idea what I was watching. <laughs> I got a, I, I have uh, I have Flash Gordon's signature. I met him in person. You Holy did? Crap. Yeah. Holy crap. It was, I, have a, I think I have photos with him. Maybe I didn't that get photos because cool. we didn't pay for photos. It's it's oh, fine. Oh my god! It's fine. It's fine. I, I don't. I don't regret that it's at fine. all. Oh, <laughs> <goodness>. <laughs>